Hey there, this is Varun Raja, and welcome to Dating Mechanics on Girls Chase, where we get girls chasing you. Here on Dating Mechanics, we bring you incredible content from the best minds in the industry, and we leave you with fun, actionable tips and tactics you can go out there and use with girls today. In our pilot episode, I interviewed one of the most prominent and savvy writers on Girls Chase. Alec Rolstad is a Girls Chase dating coach and master of the night, meeting and pulling women in all kinds of settings when he hits the bars and clubs on the weekends. He's been doing this all over the world since being a teenager, and almost 10 years later has faced literally every scenario that could possibly happen at night. If it's dark out, and he's out at a club and he's feeling good, you can bet your top dollar that Alec will spend the night with the first, second, or third girl he talks to all night. Those nerve-wracking scenarios like bitchy club girls, friends trying to steal the girl away, bathroom pulls, or even threesomes, you name it. If it could happen at night, Alec faced it and still got the girl. Alec has a ton of juicy tech and strategy to share with you. In our two-part interview, we're going to cover every major element of Alec's night game process, which he has been developing for almost 10 years. So turn your volume up and listen in. And as always, at the end of the show, we'll give you a cool homework assignment that you can go out and test at night this weekend. Alec, welcome to Dating Mechanics. It's great to have you back on a Girls Chase podcast. Thanks, man. Last time we had a real blast and I'm looking forward to our next discussion, bro. I know, man. It was so great. I mean, we did a podcast together once before on sex talk and sexual prizing, episode 10 in the Girls Chase podcast series. If anyone's curious about that, feel free to listen to my other podcast with Alec. But today, I really want to learn about your journey in night game bars and clubs, and how you've become one of the most prominent teachers in night game theory. I know that you've been doing this for almost 10 years, is that right? To be more exact, eight years, but yes, you're right. I had probably one of the best experiences one can dream of, and probably also some of the worst experiences one can have nightmares of. So yeah, I'm I'm here to share those experiences and what I've learned from them. I know, man. Everyone has all these crazy stories that happen at night, and maybe that's one of the beautiful things about going out at night and trying to you know, meet women and bring them home with you and have a great time. And I know that in your case, you go out almost every weekend, if not every weekend, and you're consistently always pulling girls, sometimes, you know, the first or second girl you even talk to. Yeah, usually I go out, but when I don't, it's usually because I'm really ill, I can't get out, can't even get out of bed, or if I'm busy with something important. But usually, yes, you're right, I I go out technically every weekend. Yeah, I know. Like even last weekend, I think you went out and then you were telling me earlier that you met some girl when you were out at the club and you ended up bringing her home and you all were hanging out till 10 in the morning the next day on Saturday. Yeah, well, first of all, I have problems sleeping with new girls. That's probably the only thing in night game that I haven't really solved yet. Like, how do you actually sleep with a girl? I have no idea. <laughs> you know, you know that feeling is awesome, but your arm is hurting because you have no idea where to put it and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a great night. It was textbook and it was smooth seduction. And it's the kind of seduction that makes you feel good the next day, you know, when you feel smooth and good and calibrated, you know, and all that. And yeah, it was an amazing night. I mean, yeah, the not sleeping with a girl part, that's such a tough problem to have, right? Like, Jesus. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But but seriously, like, uh, I really want to learn more about this because tonight on this podcast, 
we're going to be talking all about night game and how you run your process from the moment you, even the moment before you walk into a venue yeah. and start going out for the night to the point where you're actually saying goodbye to her in the next morning. And maybe we can start a discussion by beginning to understand how that textbook seduction that happened last weekend went down. All right, yeah, sure. I'm, that sounds exciting. It's a good way to get the ball rolling. Yeah. So I went out two weeks ago, and I went to this club. I had some fun, you know, after 30 minutes, after dancing and fooling around, like I like to call it, get used to the venue. I went out for a smoke because I didn't really feel like approaching a girl non-verbally, so I wanted to do some fancy verbals. And the best place to do that. So wait, you first you went to the club, which was, you know, near the area where you live, and you kind of scoped out the venue first. And yeah. then you went outside to take a smoke break to see if there's any girls you might be able to talk to over there. Exactly. Well, I usually when I go to a club, the first thing I do is to get familiar with the vibe. Just go there, just feel what the vibe feels like, get comfortable there so that you can actually focus the rest of your energy on actually meeting girls. That's why I've been in the first probably 30 minutes, maybe more, while I know. I don't really count. I don't really look at the time when I'm out. But yeah, eventually I decided to, hey, now it's time to find the girl of the night. So I went out, not to smoke really, but more to meet girls, to be honest. <laughs> As always. So I did that. I went out and I saw this group of girls. They looked very nice, you know, like good people. And I saw the bouncer cleaning up stuff, you know, like just cleaning up after the cigarettes and the beer and all that shit from others, you know, stuff like that. And I decided to use that as my opener. So I did it. I walked by this group just slowly, like I was about to walk somewhere, you know. Yeah. And as I walked by them, I asked them, are they closing? And I just kept walking a little bit. And the girl, one of the girls from the group responded and she said, well, no, I don't think so. It's not closing time. That was a good reaction, right? So I said, hey, now it's time to get in. I moved towards them and told them why. I'm curious about that. You know, that, yeah, the bouncer is cleaning up. So I was wondering, but hey, you look like good people. So I introduced myself. And there was this girl from the group that I liked, a blonde, very cute, young girl. Mm, sounds sexy. Yeah, it was great. She was like this kind of innocent, cute looking girl. And I liked that. And so I shook their hands, but once I met my girl, I shook her hand for a little bit longer just to show a little bit of more sexual intent, just to communicate that, hey, this is my girl. And what I do is I keep the handshake for as long as possible, just to get as much as touch as I can early on, just to make the whole interaction a little bit physical. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on. Of course, of course. Yeah, we're going to start by describing maybe the perfect example of your, of your night game and how it shows up. And we'll obviously go into all the little itty-bitty details of how you actually do this and what's going on in your mind as you're doing these things. Yeah. With the story, yeah. Basically, the idea is to make her get her used to your touch so that things do not get awkward when I plan to get more physical later on. Anyway, we talked a little bit. I befriended the group so there wouldn't be a problem. And then the girls were, the other girls were going in. And that was my chance to extract. Now, of course, well, I know she could say no to be extracted to me. She could resist it. But hey, I try at least. And if she said no, I would just persist or do something else. But I tried. And so I tried to extract because I felt the vibe was good. And she gave me some signs of interest. And so I just asked the girl as her friends were walking in, hey, you seem like an interesting girl. Hey, we should get to know each other. And then, why don't we go right over there? It's warmer and have a little chat, you know, for a little bit. And if you want to get back in, you're welcome to do so anytime. We're not going anywhere. And that's a good way to kind of lower the pressure so that they don't resist. 
and it's a good way so that she doesn't feel afraid of losing her friends, you know, because the compliance is still pretty low. And just going like one meter away, it's not two meters away, it's not a big deal, right? Of course, that's one of the big fears that girls have at night because um, there's a lot of creepy guys out there. And so typically when girls go out, they have their shields up and they also are with friends who they probably want to stay close to just in case there's some weirdo dudes that they run into. But again, I kind of avoid this creepy card. And here's why, because first of all, when I approach, I act like I was walking away. This way I communicate that I'm not like this creepy stalker kind of guy. Uh -huh. I also kept my cool. I was like calm, not woohoo woohoo, which kind of like can create an element of trust, which is key, I believe. It's kind of a rapport thing, right? And open to meet all her friends because, you know, most guys, they think just about the girl and they don't give a shit about the friend, right? It's actually so simple, but most guys forget about it. So that's another thing, you know, the girls think their friends thought I was cool. So the friend which I was into, she was thinking, hey, I can go with him without my friends being too afraid of me kind of talking to this guy for a little bit. I see, I see. Because you actually built up a comfort level with her friends too. So there was a greater element of trust within the entire group for you. Absolutely. Nice. So what we did is that we went, we went to this corner and I lined up a cigarette. And now as you're isolated with the girl, well, that's the time to pull off the magic. And that's pretty much what I did. This is where the seduction really begins. So what I started doing was that there was this wall and there was this kind of mirror thing. Like you could see your face into the wall. It was a door, a window rather. And she could see her whole face. So her name was Christina. And here's what I did. Christina. Please have a look at this window for a little bit. What do you see in that window? What does it reflect? She said, well, it's me. I'm like, yeah, it's you. What you see is, in fact, Christina. But it's also what the big other sees. It's also what I see, what the social world sees. It is truly you, right, Christina? Well, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Now, here's what's interesting, Christina, is that even though it is really you that you're seeing, you know very well that there's so much more about you than what you're seeing, that reflection, right? And she's like, yeah, yeah, there's so much more about me. I'm like, yeah. So because of this, of this mirror image, which is what the world sees, the desire to express ourselves comes from the mere fact that we want to show the world who we really are more than what people see. And this desire, Christina, is a desire that is so strong. Haven't you ever wanted to have someone really understand you for who you truly are? Isn't that something you really desire? She was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, here's what's interesting, Christina. It's that most people, they have strong desires. And the problem here is that this desire is usually held back. Now, one important thing is that I believe sexuality, for that matter, is a desire that is really strong, but is also something that really communicates something deep about our personality. So if you follow our logic, then you have a strong desire to express that part of you, that sexuality. But we know that in our society, there are certain restrictions when it comes to expressing female sexuality. Girls get labeled as sluts, you know, or it's kind of like a stigma around it. So this desire of expression of your sexuality is held back. It's restricted. Now, repressed desires, as we know, Christina, is something that just grows and grows and grows, just like a balloon filling up with water. And after a while, it will explode. And this is why I believe, Christina, that women... They don't often express their sexuality, but when they do, they really express it. There is like this outburst of animalistic desire that just takes over their body and mind. 
and just leads them into the world of the biggest pleasures. And at that point, bro, she was blown away. Like, holy shit, who are you? I bet she was completely hooked too. You know, there's so much meat in there about sexuality and like understanding her as a person. There's philosophy in there, psychology, and it's really set in a way that's very captivating and intriguing that you really want to keep listening to that. Well, one good way to kind of set yourself as a dominant figure is to kind of pace them, pace their reality. Try to communicate that you can be in their shoes, right? So that's why they want to express that, hey, in our society, women are repressed in terms of sexuality, you know, slut label and all that stuff. They kind of like, okay, this guy kind of understands me. He kind of understands my world. And that's a very good way to pace the reality so that they can be kind of hooked in, you know. And when you get that like kind of dominant position, you have access to her brain or her soul in a way. So that's a cool trick. And after that, I kind of like use a few commands and few suggestions, but this is like tricky stuff. But anyway, the idea here is that the coolest part here is that I kind of reframed resistance as something that creates or generates desire. Oh, I see. Because you said that she'd be repressed, so she has to inevitably express her desires to yeah. feel free. Wow. And the more she represses, the more she the desire grows, right? According to what we just said. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> so I had a little bit of fun. But before I got there, I told her that, you know what? We live in this world where people, they just want to hook up, but they're not really doing it right i mean they just want to stick their penises into a girl's vagina and get over with it that's what most guys want i don't want sex girl i don't want sex and at that point you're like confused because hey you come up as a asexual guy and you don't and you tell me you don't want sex like what the fuck well in a way she's kind of confused but then i tell her you know what girl no i'm not into sex however i'm into good sex and as they're like kind of blown away because it's kind of a pattern interrupt in a way it's kind of interrupting like (laughs) thought process probably not what she was expecting too i know a lot of guys they're only they go out at night they're only after pussy for the most part and they'll basically take anything that they can get that looks decent or sometimes not even not even decent looking for that matter yeah and it's every girl's fear when they go out at night like oh am i just gonna meet another guy that just wants to have another shitty night of sex with me or something like that part of the reason why guards are so up Here's what's interesting is that I actually stand by what I'm saying. You know, I'm actually looking for good sex. But here's the interesting part. I also had a little break before telling her that I'm into good sex right after telling her I'm not into sex, just to create some tension. Now, here's what's interesting. I followed it up with something along the line of people, they have what I call McDonald's hookups. It's quick, it's simple, and you know what you get. And it kind of feels okay, but it's nothing extraordinary. However, good sex requires more. But, however... It's not just the mere fact that you are doing fancy orgasm techniques or whatever. Sure, that can make the experience feel so amazing. But what makes sex really good is the mere fact that someone can just sit there or lay there and just liberate oneself towards the other and just enjoy the moment of sharing with another person. Now, at this point, she was all hooked in. But here's what's interesting. I break this kind of like very seductive vibe. I kind of change it into a very social vibe. This is called fractionation. Right, right. Where you're like changing the topic all of a sudden. Exactly. Because the idea here is that you want her to desire more of the goodies, right? You don't want to give up everything because you risk yeah. her being getting bored or you risk her. And another thing here is that once you get back into the sexual thing, it gets stronger because you kind of confuse her and in state of desiring more. Now, here's interesting. I just asked her, hey, are you a spinner? Like, totally out of the blue. And she said, what? <laughs> out of the blue. What? That was so random. What? 
I'm like, yeah, give me your hands, give me your hands. And I grab her hands and I spin uh-huh. her around. And as I spin her around, I pull her into me and try to go for makeup. But she resisted because she was being like a very feminine, uh, kind of girly girl, you know, type of girl, you know, very. Yeah, uh, yeah. So she was being like a little bit teasy. It wasn't like the angry, nasty resistance. It was more like flirty. But here's what's interesting. And we go back to what I did first. I told her like, hey, I know you want to kiss me, but the more you repress your desire, and then she answered, the more it will grow. And like, exactly, girl. <laughs> it goes right back to the whole conversation earlier. And then I pushed her back and I talked about something else for a bit. And I tried to go for a kiss again and she resisted again. And I told her, oh my God, you know what happens when you resist girls? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But uh, yeah, she was like a little bit confused. I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's go over there, trying to get her further away. At that time, her friends came by and I asked her, they were about to leave. And they asked her to come with them. And she said, no, I'm staying with this guy. At that point, I knew she really was in. Oh, my God, that's so beautiful because she was so hooked into your conversation now and into your personality and the kind of bubble that you all created. She would uh, even be willing to leave her friends just to hang out with you a little bit longer. Absolutely. I think that's amazing. So at this time, we're on a high note, and that's when I want to pull. So I just asked her, hey, want to come over there for a little bit just to get her away? Yeah. And I sat down next to her and just talked about random shit. But at this point, her desire has been created because i left her in a state of desire and fractionated out by talking about something else and at this point she was she had a very strong desire to make out with me so she just jumped you know and sat on my on my hips and just started making out with me really passionately i was like holy shit wow. okay so i made out passionately with her but i pushed her away and just looked at her deep in the eyes and asked her why the fuck are we still here oh my god you've reached that moment <laughs> and she just said i don't know me neither girl So let me suggest that we get the fuck out. And she said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And then we jumped into a cab back to my place. And at that point, you know, we went on my couch. I served her a drink, you know, usual stuff. But here's the thing. I don't jump them right away. I let them settle down, have a drink, get comfortable, you know, relax, just normal conversation. Because the point is that when you get home from the club, you can't expect the girl to be all warmed up because there's the cab ride, you know, when her state can go down. So you kind of want to build it all up from the beginning again in terms of escalation. So I just kind of let her sink in first and then I kind of start all over again. But I did not really do that because she basically just started making out with me out of the blue and I started touching my down parts. She was really, really, really um, horny at that point already. So she was like really like turned on by the whole conversation that you were having prior in the club. It was amazing. Absolutely. And here's a funny trick is that here's something I do a lot. And this is just a trick you can steal from me. It's that I make out with them, I make them super horny. But at the point right before I get to like this tipping point where I undress her, I kind of like break it totally and tell her, you know what, girl, I can't make out with you anymore. Get off. And they'll be like, why? What the fuck? Because I have to go piss. And you know what happens when guys get boners? They can't piss anymore. So let me go piss before I get too hard. And then I just go away. And that's like leaves them in a state of frustration. It kind of leaves them, you know, like you kind of resist before them. But you don't resist in a way that's going to like lock you into a framework. Because you just have to piss. She can't deny you that, right? <laughs> so yeah. So And then you get the pissing part done. Because the worst thing that can happen is that you're in the middle of sex. And then uh, you're like, oh shit, I got to piss. Which is a terrible situation to be in. So Yeah, yeah. It's happened to the best of us, unfortunately. <laughs> so we get that over with. As I get back, I just take her up. Like, ask her to come up. 
and then I look at her in the eyes and I just like push her straight into a wall and make out and bite her neck and at that point you know guys it's it's it's, it's over it's over you know it's game over <laughs> or game on rather because you were up until 10 a.m the next day yeah. so maybe oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds fucking amazing I'm not a god I did not fuck for six hours straight I had a few breaks in between you know I had a glass of water you know small cuddling and all that but yeah in general we we kept doing stuff till 10 o'clock and then I followed her to the bus station and we shared numbers and that was cool yeah it was an amazing night she was a 19 year old cute blonde girl it was a pleasurable night and there's nothing like sleeping in a bed that kind of like has this fragrance of women you know the mix of girl perfume and vaginas like you know vagina smell yeah it's like a beautiful musk that just kind of you brings you right back into the experience you just have yeah and having experienced that like i love it actually and you also feel good about yourself because you know that you left a girl feeling really good when she left the next morning yeah yeah and she she sent me a message like two hours later which was cool i think that was an amazing night so yeah but i just want to make sure i make this clear not all nights are similar and this was a good one but we'll get more into that a little bit later about like how the nights differs but just to make it very clear that this was textbook and no bullshit but the bullshit that occurs is like something i call wild cards which we'll discuss a little bit but technically it's just like random stuff that can come in and fuck things up for you basically and you have to do it of course of course i think that's maybe one of the uh, beautiful things about night game too is that you can never, ever have the same kind of night, ever. It's always going to be changing and forming, and there's always different conditions and situations that are always evolving. Actually, this is a good place to start off on our podcast. Like, what differentiates night game from other kinds of seduction out there? Well, back to what you said, it's probably the most amazing form of seduction because, I mean, there's a reason I've been doing this for eight years and still feel excited about it. Now, that being said, let's first compare it to social circle game. And the big difference is that just like day game, it's a form of cold approach game, you know, where you Mm. go up to strangers. If you bring your friends to a club, it's a whole different thing. So account is that's more like social circle game during nighttime. What I'm referring to night game is like your cold approach. Now, just like day game, you do that. But the difference with day game and night game is that day game tend to be more like relaxed, more kind of like rapport based, where you're actually settled down with the girl. It's just all about you and the girl. Whereas in night game, you have the whole surrounding, like the chaos factor, you know, the stimuli, the friends, the other people. It's more of a social thing. It's a social gathering. It's just, there's a totally different social dynamic. Also, it's kind of like it has a good thing, which is that the girls are more stimulated. You can get away with more dirty stuff right from the bat. However, things can be a little bit harder because there's competition. The girls have been hit on by other guys, you know, stuff like that. So so in a way, it's kind of like, yeah, you can get quicker to business. But things go faster than in a day game. But at the same time, that can also make it become a difficulty in the long run. I think that that stimulation aspect is something that um, a lot of beginners especially find kind of difficult because there's all these different sources of feedback and stimulation and the sensory overload that tends to happen, especially in very chaotic club environments, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, ironically, many beginners also love that factor because it kind of helps them getting lucky, you know what I mean? Like those nights when you're out with your friends and you had a few drinks yeah, and you're on the dance floor and you have no idea what's going on, but there she is, right into your arms, wanting to make out, and you make out with her and then you just ask her to go home and she just says, 
yeah, whatever, and then you go home. And you guys, <laughs> I mean, those happens, those freebies happen. So I think that's kind of like a reason some guys might actually like that kind of thing as well. That's why they do. But Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a reason why most people, when they think of going out, they think of a very different thing than the way you go out, right? Like they go out with their friends, they get drunk, and they don't really give a shit about taking girls home. But maybe a couple of times a year, it'll happen to them. And they consider like, oh, wow, I'm getting lucky tonight. And it's uh, that's why it's called getting lucky. It's so, so sporadic. Yeah, absolutely. Also, an interesting thing that the better you get, the less you want to rely on the luck factor. Well, I think that's what distinguishes you, especially, you know, and why this podcast is so awesome is because you have managed to basically get laid every single time you go out or almost every single time that you've been going out at night. It's like a whole system and it works for you. And I'm so excited to hear about it. Yeah, awesome. I mean, yeah, but talking about chaotic night, I also know if you deal with them and I'm willing to talk a little bit about them later on if that's of interest. Sure. Well, actually, let's start with this question. What do you think is the most important aspect of night game? Well, I think that many guys, they're very like obsessed with a model. And I think that a model itself can be very useful, you know, just to have like kind of like a basic idea of how the process works. You know what I mean? Like how the steps, you know, just get a little idea. But the thing, as we mentioned earlier, no nights are similar. And not only does the vibe in the venue differ from night to night, but the girls there as well differ. So you cannot really rely on a model. However, you need to rely on calibrating to not only the girl, but also to the venue. So in order to calibrate, you need to be very aware of what's going on. And the thing is, most guys, they are actually not very aware of what's going on. For example, I really questioned the idea of drinking alcohol and meeting girls because drunk guys are not attractive per se but the worst part is that you're not aware of what's going on in an environment where it's so important to actually be aware of what's going on alcohol can actually have this counter effect you know which you don't really want to have that's so typical actually i've heard about so many nights where my friends or people i know will go out and they'll just get so sloppy drunk too that the women that they're talking to just don't even find them attractive anymore or even if the girls do find them attractive, they fuck up something else because they didn't pick up on the little signals and the little decisions to make because of the alcohol. Exactly. It's kind of a really strange myth, actually, that alcohol helps you get laid. But maybe for a very, very small minority, it might, I think. Well, I mean, I'll drink two glasses or something. I'm not saying you shouldn't drink, but don't get fucked over. The idea here is that in night game, it's girls will give off signals and they're very subtle so you can't be drunk because you'll fail to see them and another thing is that nightclubs and bars especially nightclubs they have a very complex social dynamic and it's very hard to deal with it if you're not your brain is not sharp you need to have your brain sharp and you need to be on point because if you're not well guess what then you're just like every other guys you can't be like super smooth calibrated seducer if you are drunk it's really that simple Unless you just want to get lucky, which is totally fine. I mean, if that's your thing, yeah. there would probably be useful things in the podcast for you as well anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then you're just taking your chance with the numbers game and even the numbers game throughout a whole year or something like that. Who knows what might happen? Well, sober numbers game is actually more uh, efficient than drunk numbers game. <laughs> but maybe drunk yeah. numbers game can be more fun, though. <laughs> I'd agree with that assessment, actually. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. The most important thing is not to follow a model, but to be aware. And like you said, understanding social dynamics and keeping your cool. And keeping uh, your cool. Do you see a lot of guys who do this all wrong? 
Like maybe they go out with entirely the wrong state of mind or the wrong attitude towards approaching, you know, a night out at a club. Well, I mean, the right attitude of, I mean, I'm totally fine with the idea of going out just to get laid. I do that myself. I'm not hiding that fact. I've personally been to clubbing for a while. So clubs themselves, they don't really impress me. Now, that being said, I think that many guys, they kind of like, they want to get high energy. They believe in this whole idea that you need to be a high energy dude that catches women's attention. That's the key to get laid. It's a very good way to get attention. And it's a kind of sometimes a good way to hook a girl in. But it's not the desired state of mind. The desired state of mind is a mix of social momentum, as in a social vibe where you can actually openly, without hesitation, talk to strangers. And also there is this element of sexuality that comes in. You know, you need to make the girl horny, you need to make the process happen and get to seal the deal later on. So having a little touch of sexual state might be key as well. And in addition to that, the awareness and keeping your cool. And the reason you want to keep your cool is because girls are extremely testy in clubs because, again, they get hit on a lot. Of course, you've all heard of the bitchy club girl. Exactly. (laughs) And as we'll talk more about later on, there are things that can happen out of the blue that can ruin your interaction with this girl. So you need to keep your cool because if you can't keep your cool, you don't really come across as this confident, dominant guy who is able to really lead her. And a good leader, Uh, he's a guy who can lead calmly through a difficult time, you know? And that's kind of what you want to communicate by keeping your cool. So if shit takes place in the club, keep your cool. You'll always win more by keeping your cool. You may not have the solution right there and then, but keeping your cool always gives you extra points. Much better than stressing. And keep your cool, be aware, be social, have a social um, vibe going on and the sexual vibe. Now, how do you get into this social vibe? That's kind of interesting. And it's the best way to do that is to create momentum. I really recommend guys start going out to a club early to just warm up a little bit. You know, just talk to the bouncer, be polite. That can be very useful later on in case you get into trouble. Being friend with the bouncer is really useful. Also, just talking to the bartenders, they'll be very free in the early hours of the night. So just talk to them, befriend them. Maybe you'll get a free shot later on, all you know. And, <laughs> you know, talk to everyone there. You know, in the early of, beginning of the night, people are not so, you know, there's few people there. So people tend to be more open. And, you know, just get the ball rolling. Don't need to approach the hottest girl. Just get the ball rolling. Talk to dudes. Just create social momentum. I think one good mantra I've actually heard from a couple of friends of mine who are naturals is they always say, always have fun like don't give a shit about anything but always be having fun and always be having fun with the people that you're hanging out around and sometimes i find that that's a really good way to start off your night just having fun with the bouncer outside or having fun with the bartender while you're getting a drink you know just chatting with people about whatever it also looks good put it this way at 12 o'clock at one o'clock you won't get late anyway so just better have fun right <laughs> it's yeah. it probably just happened once or twice or three times in my whole life but when i'm going out that i actually pull a girl that early so you might just as well warm up and get the ball rolling now interesting we also need to be a little bit sexual right like the sexual state part now the solution to that to get sexual because the sexual vibe is kind of key because that not only is it attractive but it also steam motivates you but it also kind of sets this kind of like sexual undertone and can help you a lot during the phase where it escalates sexually later on which you want to now the way to get into this sexual state is usually by quitting out masturbation like if you go to a club on friday for example and you haven't touched yourself since monday you will notice a desire of meeting someone that will grow stronger and stronger. Now, 
it's important to notice that I'm not saying quit out masturbation totally. If you do that, cool, but good luck with that. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of all right. Yeah. Actually, it's, there's a funny story about this. Me and some uh, guys who've been in this doctrine for a while, we all came to the conclusion that if we get laid on Saturday, we suddenly on Sunday night get super horny. So I know many good seducers that actually have Sunday as their porn night, by the way, just inside, <laughs> in, insider info. Uh, yeah, so, so just quit that masturbation, try to sleep, have a healthy diet, all that stuff. You know, on the whole masturbation thing, there are actually a lot of scientific studies that track testosterone growth within your body relative to how much you masturbate. And that's also why uh, we recommend to not masturbate more than once a week because typically your testosterone peaks around the fourth, fifth, or sixth day after the last time you masturbated. Yeah. Hence, if you did it on Sunday, you'd be good to go on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Exactly. I've noticed a big difference since I started introducing that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. I did too, actually. It's really amazing how your body and mind and everything works together. Yeah, and you know what's interesting too is that it's actually very difficult in the beginning to start putting out masturbation, but it gets easier and easier as you get used to it. So now we have the social momentum, sexual state, and we probably should talk a little bit about awareness. And there are no real solution to that, but I recommend meditating before going out. Really, you'll be so much mm. more ground in your body and you'll have much better focus and you'll feel more relaxed. And here comes the fucked up part. I also like to drink a cup of very strong high-end tea before going out because green tea actually has an effect on how you feel. First of all, it gives you energy, but it also makes you more focused, bit relaxed, which is the perfect state of mind you want to be in when you, are, when you want to seduce girls. You have to be relaxed and you have to be calm and, and keep your cool, like you said, and be aware during the whole process. So that probably helps a lot with that aspect of it. Yeah, I've noticed a little difference. So, hey, if you can get the high-end tea, whatever tea, it can be green tea, black tea, whatever, I don't care. I like Yokuro before going up to Japanese high-end tea. If you prefer something else, go for it. But just try it out. It's so little and can have such an effect. So why not? Okay, cool. So how do you choose where to go out at night? First of all, the first question one needs to ask oneself is that what kind of people do I want to hang around with? Again, you want to feel at home. I mean, more or less, you can always push your comfort zone a little bit. But like, if you're a hipster guy, don't go to this like kind of ghetto hip hop place. You know, it's kind of, first of all, you will not be the stereotype of guy girls actually like there. So that's the first thing. And <laughs> you will not feel at home. So don't do that. At least feel a little bit at home. So pick kind of like the um, demography that you actually like. Now, I do that, but I, I usually go to normal places, you know, kind of sometimes high-end places. I don't really care if it's high-end or not high-end. As long as they're hot girls there, that's all that matters, really. And I like kind of places where the music is okay, but I don't really care about the music because I love music, and don't get me wrong, but I like to listen to good music at home or go to a concert. Clubs for me is for meeting girls. Sure, if the music is cool, that's always a bonus, but in my opinion, it tends to distract me away from my original goal. Mm, right. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. So again, music doesn't matter. Just make sure you feel at home with the people. Now, however, here are some interesting things about clubs. You don't want to pick a place that has just one big room or you want a place where people move around, where there's a lot of circulation. Why is that important? Because if people, they don't move around, they'll stick to their group all night. And, you know, groups of people, they're hard to approach. 
it's way harder to approach people who are like stuck together. So you want to have a place that have multiple rooms or multiple areas so that people are forced to walk around. Because as they walk around the venue, they feel more familiar with the venue. You know, it's like kind of like by moving around, they feel more attached to the place and more comfortable. So they kind of like release themselves. And also by the mere fact that they're moving around, they will meet people on the way, you know, and there's movement. So when there's movement, there is change. It's really that simple. Right. So right. I really like to go places that have either multiple dance floor, multiple bars, smoking areas, lounges, dance floors, you know, where you can kind of move around a little bit. This is actually a good thing too. Uh, if you meet the girl, say you meet her on the dance floor and you want to start talking to her because the dance floor is way too noisy, you can always take her to a different room with couches or at the bar and start talking to her there and then maybe even bring her back outside to the smoking area or to a different room where you can kind of change the vibe within the venue and your conversation with her just a little bit. Absolutely. And another cool thing is that you can kind of like get her away from her friends without taking the big step of actually leaving the place. So it's kind of a good way to isolate <laughs> the girl. Yeah, yeah. Especially ahead of when you make the real extraction, like you were saying. But please do not get me wrong. I'm not saying that you need to go to big places with like five rooms. As long as there's one bar, one social area, either lounge or uh, or dance floor, and maybe a smoking area outside, that's good enough. And it doesn't need to be a big place. It just needs to be a place where there's different places to be, basically. Like either a bar and a smoking area or, you know, just movement, something that can trigger movement. Or maybe even like the bathroom on the other side of the place, just so that people have to walk a little bit. That's cool too. So don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating super big clubs because they can be very difficult themselves because big clubs tend to kind of like make women very defensive, you know, oh shit, I can lose my friend, you know, so they kind of stick together so they can have like this kind of reverse effect. Now, the good thing with big clubs though is that they usually tend to have a lot of girls, so more opportunities. So in the end, there are clubs that are terrible, but there's no such a thing as a perfect club. So Interesting. So it seems like there's a distinction between these venue types, like there's the crazy chaotic venues where girls are probably more guarded and there's fewer opportunities to talk, but at the same time, probably uh, quicker to escalate on them as well. Whereas on chiller bars and venues like that, you probably have an easier time meeting the girl and you're probably taking more of your time with actually seducing her and you might also have to meet her friends and things like that too well first of all i mean if you're a verbal guy you might pick a place that actually where you can talk right or if, if you're into dance floor seduction or more non-verbal stuff then maybe a noisy dance floor is maybe not not a problem because you're not talking anyway and i like places where you can do both you know i like, can change around that's cool because Everything becomes so much more exciting. <laughs> I can only imagine. Here's what's interesting. Let's take a small bar with a few people. Now, the thing with small bars is that people tend to be more open because they're fewer people. They feel more like a family, like a little community thing, right? But the problem is that yeah. women there are, if you fail and you get rejected, everybody's going to see. And, you know, that kind of creates a negative social proof, you know, as in people will see that you get rejected, which can create a negative momentum, as in the next one you'll approach might reject as well, based on the mere fact that you got rejected by another girl nearby. Now, that's a problem. That's a difficulty, right? You know, one thing that Hector actually told me, Hector Castillo, another one of our Girls Chase writers, when I went out with him one night, is to always be aware that everyone in a venue is always watching everyone else, too. People are always looking around, and they're always seeing what's going on. And so... Those blowouts, especially in more intimate venues where people are quieter, look really bad for your social value, so to speak, and just looking like a cool guy. 
Well, come on. I mean, when you met Hector, if you go out with him, you know that it's impossible not to spot him, right? <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. He's uh, outrageous and awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm more low-key that in that sense. So, yeah, yeah, but in a small place, you'll be seen. Absolutely. Now, however, in big venues, which are crowded, people usually don't see you that well. And here's the thing. Then you can actually get rejected, and nobody really gives a shit in bigger venues. Like, I'm talking about those crowded big places. People don't care. So you can go in and don't really give a shit about rejection because you can just move on to the next girl because, you know, big venues, they have a lot of girls, and nobody gives a shit about you in big venues. Not compared to smaller venues. But again, as I mentioned earlier, those big venues tend to have a very high chaos factor. Um, good seducer like Hector, you know, they don't like to rely too much on luck. So um, when I've been out with Hector, he usually tends to go to none of these super crowded places. <laughs> Just like this. So, yeah. <laughs> but That's awesome. So in a big club, you may want to go in more aggressively. And the reason you want to do that is because since there's so many people there and the chaos level is so high wild cards can come up like maybe her friends coming by uh, to pull her away or some random dude coming and disturbing in so you want to seal the deal very quickly and about that last weekend actually i went to this club and unfortunately a girl i've been with came by so i had to venue change and the only place that was nearby was this kind of noisy dance floor place which kind of changed the dynamic totally from the weekend like the example i shared in the beginning of this podcast because in this crowded, noisy, chaotic venue, I actually had to screen, wait for a good opportunity. And once I had that, go in and seal the deal quickly. Because just within those 15 minutes of interacting, two guys have been hitting on my girl already. So I'm like, okay, get her out of there before someone with actual skills take advantage of all the work I've done, you know? Right, right. Yeah, in big venues, there's like a lot of more shit that can happen. So you... And girls also have their shields up more typically Absolutely. as well. They're defending against that. Yeah, I totally understand that. There's no way you can be smooth in those venues. So just might as well just go in, play more of a numbers game or screen very hard. Yeah, yeah. That's two options you have. Yeah. Now, as these calibration dynamics to differ per venue, how do you actually open girls in all these places? I know that we talked about in your example at the beginning of the podcast from last weekend, you kind of walked by your girl and as if you were walking away and you just said kind of a small remark or a comment. Yeah. So it's just one thing I want to add, first of all, is that do I rely on what's called approach invitation in clubs? I would say it depends because in super crowded, loud venues where there's a lot of chaos, I like to rely on approach invitations because, you know, it's I don't like to play too much of the numbers game because, again, you can't be smooth yeah. in big venues, right? So I like to kind of trigger approach invitations and look out for them because if there are many girls, chances are someone is looking at you. Interesting. How do you actually trigger these approach invitations? What do you do in a loud fiat okay, club? Okay, that's a good question. Well, what I do, first of all, I think it's key to get some attention one way or another. So position yourself in a way so that she can see you. Now, what I usually do is to either like bump into them like accidentally and just test for a reaction or maybe just hover next to them, just stand there and dance and just see if she looks at me and if she doesn't. Well, then there is no approach invitation, but that will approach anyway. I don't care. I'll approach anyway. If she's hot, I will approach anyway. <laughs> but here's the thing. The approach invitations are usually very subtle. And that's why it's so important to be aware. Back to that. Yeah. That's why it's so What important. do they look like typically? Usually it's a girl, she looks at you for a few seconds, she maybe bumps into you, she has her body facing you, or she keeps like looking at you for a little bit and she looks away and then looks back again at you a few times. 
that's a good one. Or maybe she kind of like starts trying to get attention or just stands next to you. Like she's acting like she's not seeing you, but just stands next to you. That's like, okay, she's in, you know, you can approach. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So just keep your eyes open. There's something that can be very subtle. And if you wonder whether or not there's an approach mutation, well, then that's a good excuse to find out, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. Usually I found if I'm thinking something, it usually means that I should do what I'm thinking. <laughs> you usually. Know? Like, is she looking at me? Does she want to be approached? Then I should probably approach her. It's usually, at least for me, it's a good rule of thumb. Like if I'm thinking it, just do it. Just go. I would say that I would approach anyway, as long as they're hot. Now, However, yeah. important to mention that I usually screen for girls. It's more like I screen out girls that are like not receptive. And what I'm taking into consideration here is that girls who are surrounded by guys, I tend to avoid those because I want to seduce girls, not compete with guys. Yeah, yeah. That's a personal thing. I don't want to spend my night like fighting a dude, you know. I prefer just talking with a girl because that's what makes me feel happy. Now, another thing I tend to avoid is avoid groups where girls are actually having a very intimate conversation, you know, or very serious conversation. Or maybe if they're situated in a corner, you know, you can't see that they want to be left alone. I don't approach because they rarely work. Now, I also tend to avoid super big groups because they can be annoying. But sometimes, you know, there's a girl that's trying to um, get some attention from the crowd. Then she, there might be, a, might be a, big, a good group to open. Now, in general, if girls are looking, even though they're talking to their friends, but they're looking around the crowd for attention, that means she's usually open to get approached. Interesting. That's a good one. I actually have seen that quite a bit when I've gone out at night. Like, you'll see a girl in a group of her friends, but they might be engaged in some kind of really intense discussion or laughing or having fun. But she will be scanning the room every once in a while and kind of looking to see what's going on, kind of breaking away from the pack. Yeah, that's a good one to approach. Do you know how you spot the super horny girl? How do you see that? Basically, the girl who walks like super fast through the crowd back and forth, they're usually really horny. So, yeah, I mean, they wouldn't do that if they were like busy with talking to their friends or busy talking to someone. That means they're looking for something. So they walk super fast through the crowd. Or even better, if they like had a zigzag walk through the crowd or something like it, that means she wants to hook up with somebody. No Basically, shit. where she's placing herself in any opportunity or every opportunity to meet a guy within that venue, more or less. Now, ironically, I do that too. So I like to kind of move around just to kind of like change position, <laughs> not just to have a look. Okay, what's going on right over there? Oh, are there any good vibes? If yes, I'll stay there and approach. Maybe I'll go to the next place. I was like, how is the vibe there? I kind of do that, yeah. you know, like, so yeah, I do that too. I learn it from girls. Interesting. Now, here's what's interesting here, though. You also want to screen out every sets or any groups of girls where you sense bullshit. Like, if you see a girl crying and the other one is trying to, like, share her up, don't approach. Don't try to be that gentleman. You'll just be annoying anyway. It's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, just good vibes, approach. Rule of thumb. Simple as that. Yeah. Now, how do you actually attract the girls after you approach them? Well, let's start first. Who actually approach them is I usually, like I mentioned in the beginning, I actually walk slowly. I like to walk slowly in clubs because it kind of like communicates that confident vibe. It's, it's a very simple thing to do and it accomplishes so much. So I walk to the group or to the girl and I never approach straight ahead, kind of like from the side or sometimes I might even walk by them and turn my head a little bit towards them. Right. And what I do is that I deliver what I call a pre-opener. It's basically just testing the water to check if she's on, if the vibe is good. So here's what happened. I'll just say anything. I'll say like, holy shit. Wow. Wow. Okay. You totally matched with the wall behind you. 
your outfit totally matches with the wall behind you and they'll be like what and if the vibe is good i'll open if the vibe is not good and i sense like oh there's a rejection coming it's coming it's coming then i'll just run away just get out and that's a good way of opening because first of all you don't communicate any neediness remember that women in clubs they usually put up this wall because guys tend to be super clingy tend super creepy and super needy so if you can communicate early on by acting like you're walking away maybe turning your body a little bit away from them as you open it communicates that you won't be clingy so that way you can kind of like disarm them disarm their shield a little bit i mean you are so right actually because i've seen so many times where a guy will just walk straight up to a girl and start talking to her and even if she kind of shies away or pretends like she's not interested and they'll still stick around it's like the biggest fear you know think about it if you go walk on the street and someone just like comes straight to you like face to face it's kind of intimidating right yeah uh, so you don't want to do that coming from the side now here's interesting many guys they actually fear rejections and that's a question why they actually go in straight in and they deliver an opener and then they stand there like they're waiting for the bomb to explode. Like, why the hell are they doing that? Go in, test the water, walk a little bit away. And if you sense the vibe is bad, don't stay there. Don't stay there, take the shit. Don't give them the pleasure to give you shit. Just walk away. They're deprived from rejecting me. You know, I run away. When I sense the rejection coming, I run away. And here's what's interesting is that they will never follow you and go after you to deliver their rejection line. They will never do that. Yeah. This seems like a great way to bypass rejection, more or less. Yeah. And what's interesting here is that the rejection never becomes official because that allows you to actually open them later on because, hey, after all, they never really rejected you, right? Because you kind of left before they did that, right? So, but again, <laughs> if the vibe is good, open. And believe me, if you do that right, the opening body language, a good pre-opener, and you get a good vibe, you can basically open with anything and it will work. Interesting. Interesting. Now, how about when you actually attract them? Like, how do you, you started talking to a girl and she's kind of into you. How do you portray yourself in a way that she's interested in talking to you more and learning more, rather than spending more time with you? First of all, here's the tricky part, though, because usually it depends if she's alone or with many people. You know, if there's many people around, like female friends, you might want to consider befriending the group a little bit first, right? Uh, this is basic knowledge. However, I must be honest that I actually like to talk about sex in front of a whole group it's kind of hard to calibrate but i have no problems doing that <laughs> but i wouldn't recommend guys doing it yeah but maybe you can start talking about like women and society and how it's unfair that women get labeled as sluts whereas men can fuck around that's a good way to hook girls in by the way it's amazing you can do it to groups and 90 percent of the girls will respond positively maybe even more i've never been rejected with that now, it's super efficient. Now, what I usually do is that I usually like to just cold read the girls, like make assumptions about them. Like, hey, you look like the innocent girl and you look like you're the good girl and you're the bad girl, right? Or who's the angel and who's the devil? And they'll be like, no, I'm the devil. No, I'm the angel. And if the girl says, oh, no, I'm the devil, I'm saying maybe something like, oh, so you're a bad girl, like bad in a good way. Maybe she'll answer and say, okay, so maybe you're good in a bad way then. <laughs> you know <laughs> i love that it's so innocent and also so revealing at the same time you're saying in a very socially acceptable way that she is down sexually you know she's a very sexual girl but basically what i have found out is that there's two things i like to do when i just open just to give you a script i like to make assumption 
about the girl, just like they can be either deep assumptions, like I think you're a girl who really likes to enjoy really exciting things in life. Or it can be something funny, you know, like, hey, you look like the kind of girl who one would meet at Sunday church, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And it doesn't really matter what they answer. Like you can be right. And if you're right, they'll be amazed. Oh, how the fuck did you know? Or if you're wrong, they'll either ask you, hey, why do you think that of me? And that allows you to talk more about them. Like, hey, well, the way you dress, blah, 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 blah. Or they might correct you and tell them more about themselves, which is also a good thing because then she's opening up to herself. So no matter what the outcome is, whether you're right or wrong about your assumption about the girl, you're always winning something from it. So that's a good way to kind of get the ball rolling. If you're a beginner, I, of course, don't use that too much. I kind of use more fancy stuff, but that's a good way to get the ball rolling in clubs. It's interesting. People love talking about themselves in club and they love people assuming funny things about them in clubs. Yeah, It's a good way to get the ball rolling. Now, something I really love doing in clubs, though, to get kind of like the ball rolling on early on is to kind of like talk about what it is like to be a woman in a club and how she kind of like what she experiences. Uh, one example is, oh my God, you know what? I went to this club over there, you know, where all these like, needy guys are and i've seen them like they're like making like kind of like a half circle around women in the club like they really want to meet someone but they don't have the balls to approach and they just wait there and <laughs> wait there and it becomes super awkward yeah. and the girls are like they're dressed up they're beautiful but they're just like they're wondering why isn't he coming over and eventually the guy so if they want the guys he gets a few beers and he actually gets the balls to approach but as he does that he just starts grabbing her ass you know and that's not really working out, right, girls? All these super unattractive things, right? Like, Jesus, <laughs> I can't believe people still do this. And then, you know, I describe like a negative experience for the girl, but then I'll contrast it with something that is actually positive. Now, it's so silly how these guys are. Now, however, have you ever met someone on the dance floor who's really mysterious, who you just really want to know more about, but you know that if you know too much about him, the tension will be destroyed, and you just want to enjoy that tension, that mystery, that kind of intriguing thing, and then he touches you very slowly, like grabs your hand first and licks you deep in the eyes. So basically what you want to do is you just want to cover a bad interaction and then contrast it with a good interaction. That's a really good way to kind of get the ball rolling. Because not only like the first one will be so like you describe a very bad interaction. So it's very funny for them, you know, like, oh, they're familiar with it. Oh, it's so silly. You know, it's kind of funny. But at the same time, you kind of contrast it to a really good interaction, which they will associate with you which is an attractive thing. It will show them that you know what is attractive and that you are an attractive guy, that you experience with girls. So there's so much things packed into this. Absolutely love that. I mean, you're seducing them with building intrigue in their minds and creating this contrast. It really, I think, sets you apart as a guy that really gets how everything works. And that's something that women really appreciate when they meet guys that know how it works for women, how life is for them. I mean, I can go on for ages about different techniques, but basically I like to make assumptions. That's a very simple technique. And I like to talk about what it is like to be a girl in the club and kind of like make fun of bad experiences and kind of get deeper and maybe slow my pace when I describe good experiences. That's a good way to get the ball rolling, yeah. But I can go on for ages about this. I've always seen that there are guys out there that believe only social value works in clubs. So... They're always trying to outdo other guys in the venue, you know, by maybe having the most expensive clothes or having VIP service, the most expensive drinks or bottle service and things like that. But you're also taking this in a very different avenue, which is adding the sexual side of the game and presenting your sexuality to women in a very refined, understanding way. Like, what is the difference between social value game versus like sexual game in a nighttime environment? I mean, let's just start something about clothes. 
there's a good rule, and this is a good word of advice for me, never wear expensive clothes in clubs. Because there will always be some jackass who will kind of like uh, lose all his beer all over your new dress jacket or new jacket or new shirt. You'll ruin your clothes. That's what happened. And that's going to do terrible things for your cool guy vibe, right? Yeah. I've seen many times where that does happen. Some guy is, you know, going out to a club or a bar in his expensive suit. Maybe he's in finance, just got out from work. And then someone spills a drink by accident because it's so crowded and a fight breaks out. And it just kills any cool guy vibe you previously had because you didn't maintain your cool in that situation. Yeah. So, yeah, I basically just buy cheap clothes, H&M, ASOS, you know. You can have a look online, you know. You have Darius who can help you out. Now, that being said, I like to play the sexual card. So what I believe is that people are wrong that, yes, clubs are a social game. It's a social game. It's like two parallel universes going on at the same time. They're kind of like coexisting. So here's what's interesting, that on one side, it's a social value kind of game, you know, kind of like a competition, you know, social value competition. But at the same time, it's also like a sexual competition. It's also like a meat market. So here's what's interesting that a lot of like early night game is kind of based on this social value thing. I mean, referring to Mr. Massive back then. Um, as I say, there are two parallel universes. So in a way, he's totally right about this social value thing. And he was really good at it. But I'm not. So and I like the sexual part. So it's a preference thing. And I also believe that in the long run, the sexual part is kind of more powerful because it's a stronger desire, you know, like the need for sexual satisfaction is stronger than the need for social value. Absolutely. And it also seems like there's always going to be someone that's richer than you at a club or has more money to spend or flaunt than you. And I've also heard of so many stories where a girl will figure that out and she'll, she might be a gold digger that you weren't aware of before and she'll really give you a run for your money too. Look, if you're not rich, you'll never hook up a good a gold digger. However, a gold digger, <laughs> she can still get horny, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. She still have needs, sexual needs. I mean, I hook up with gold diggers, you know, and they come back to my flat and they say like, what the fuck is this couch? Well, I'm broke, <laughs> but they don't really care. But they're wearing fucking Louis Vuitton, you know what I mean? A mulberry. Right. Like, how many mulberry bags do you have? Seven, seven mulberry bags. What the fuck? That's like <laughs> shit loads of them. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I think that playing the sexual kind of like, I like to play on the sexual side of things because I like to dip into that universe in the club. But that being said, I believe that minimum of social value is required no matter what. And you, if you look like a bum and your social value is really low, the girl, she will not really allow herself to hook up with you because she'll be ashamed of being seen with you. She'll be ashamed of her friends seeing you with her. Women in general like to hook up with guys who they can feel are of a certain caliber, you know, social caliber. So I think like having at least a little bit of social value is key. Be a cool guy, be sociable, social awareness, dress cool. Dressing cool is so important in clubs, by the way. On the other side, if you like to play the social value kind of game, you still need to be a little bit sexual, right? Because sooner or later, you want to fuck her, right? So you kind of need to get this sexual. You need to get down to business sooner or later. So... Put it this way, no matter what you prefer, you still have to have a little, like a little element of the other. You know what I mean? It totally seems like you have to have both, I mean, or at least some degree of both. Maybe if you are more of a social value kind of guy, you want to add a little bit of sexuality just on the side so there's a little bit of, a, of an edge to your personality. You're not just a social fun guy. Like, you know, sometimes you, you see that archetype of the guy that's just an entertainer and knows everybody in the club and knows the bomb bouncer, the bartender. But that doesn't really get girls turned on. So you still need that sexual element. 
But then at the, on the other side, if you're only a sexual guy and you have no friends and you're kind of a, like a bum, like you said, then she'll still be kind of creeped out at the idea of going home with you. So you guess you want to kind of counterbalance the primary element with the secondary element that you present to her. Yeah. And then you choose which one you prefer and you go like, and you kind of dig deeper into the preferred direction you'd like to take, basically. And I like the sexual way. Yeah. Cool, Alec. Thank you. We're going to continue the rest of our interview with uh, Alec next time. However, as part of Dating Mechanics, we always give our listeners a homework assignment they can go out and test with girls this week. What is something related to awareness and mental calibration that our listeners can go out and try for going out to clubs and bars this weekend? All right. So first of all, I think it's important to mention that awareness is usually something that comes with experience. That being said, there are two things I would focus on when it comes to clubbing. The first thing is to actually something I do as a preparation before actually going out, and that is meditating. And there is a system of meditation that I've stolen from a famous seducer called Ross Jeffries. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he's pretty good with meditation. Yeah, long ago. <laughs> and basically, he has a very simple meditation routine that only takes 10 minutes, which first you start just sitting down on your chair or whatever. Don't lean back on anything. You need to sit straight. But relax at the same time, and then you breathe in, and you focus your attention on the muscles in your belly and chest, and you breathe in slowly, and you do that for like three minutes. After you've done that, you start like paying attention to body sensations, like whatever you feel. It can be a scratching somewhere, or pain in the muscle, or relaxation, or whatever it is. Focus on that sensation for five seconds before moving on, and you do that for three minutes. And in the last, like in the last section, you actually focus on the sensation of your bottom or on whatever you're sitting on. So you're like, yeah, basically focus on your ass, sensation of your ass sitting on something for three minutes and you keep the attention there. Now, there are three things here to keep in mind that you focus on your breath, which can be important, you know, like in the long run and how relaxed you feel. And the way you breathe can also, also communicate uh, sexual aura. Now, another cool thing here is that you'll focus on your body. So you kind of like, you become aware of the sensation in your body. So you train your awareness that way. And last, you focus your energy somewhere in particular, and that can help you train your focus, which is kind of key in clubs when you get distracted all the time. So this is like a very good practice to not only be relaxed, which can be very useful because many guys, you know, they struggle with anxiety maybe, or maybe stress when going to clubs and it develops awareness. So, and you get grounded in your body, which is very key. So I think there's so much to accomplish. It only takes 10 minutes and it's a good practice. That's great, Alec. You know, I've actually tried that meditation routine myself in the mornings when I wake up and it's done wonders so far, especially the longer I've kept doing it, the more that I feel like, uh, especially on days that I wake up, if I'm feeling too in my head or I can't focus on what's actually going on around me, it really grounds me in the present moment and always brings me back to a heightened state of awareness and happiness to start my day. However, thank you. I'm going to try this when I go out next time, right before I go out, and I'm going to report back on our next podcast. That sounds really cool. And there's also something you can do in the clubs as well, which some guys, you know, they might do this meditation practice, but yet feel a little bit, you know, stressed out when they actually go out. And there are a few things you can do. And one of them is to just close your eyes and just relax and then just breathe in slowly and keep your air in your belly or in your lungs for maybe five seconds and as you do that you focus your energy on your feet and this is a good way to kind of like 
remove that stress because if you're stressed you cannot be aware of what's going on that's impossible so i think that's a very good relaxation technique that can actually trigger more of a relaxed state of mind so you can actually focus on the goodies so that's the little thing i would recommend to as well if you're out there and struggling this is so useful definitely gonna try that okay cool thank you so much We'll be back with Alec for part two of my interview on Night Game in a future episode. In this edition, we covered mainly mindsets and mental models for Night Game, venue calibration, and the social versus sexual dynamic in your interactions at night. In our next episode, we're going to dive deep into Alec's full process, including how he makes decisions, how he times and leads his prospects, how he uses touch to amplify her attraction to him, what the most ideal state for night game looks like, how Alec handles the wild cards that inevitably pop up, and finally, how he handles logistics and pulls girls home each time, every time. In the meantime, you can always reach out directly to Alec, either in the comments or by signing up for his incredible phone coaching through Girls Chase. I hope you've had fun listening today, and I hope you've learned something in this fantastic interview with Alec Rolstad. Girls Chase writer and coach. Stay tuned for part two soon. For now, this is Varun Raja on Dating Mechanics by Girls Chase. And I'll see you again next time, same time, same place.